Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. In this HR Chat episode, we hear from Stephen Chudletsky, Head of Brand Voice at Start With Why. Working with Simon Sinek and the team at Start With Why, Stephen engages people in meaningful ways so that we connect with depth and live in a more fulfilled world. Stephen is a dynamic speaker and facilitator who leads workshops and coaches leaders and organisations to discover, articulate and live their why. He supports leaders and organisations to create environments where people feel inspired, safe and valued at work. Stephen joined the Start With Why team in 2012 by answering fan mail and is now head of brand voice. He is committed to ensuring the Start With Why team and those they serve live their why from the inside out. With the right mix of passion and professionalism, Stephen was an obvious choice to narrate the audiobook for the 2017 bestseller Find Your Why, along with David Mead. He also co-hosts the Start With Why podcast with more than 600,000 downloads, oh my goodness, in over 180 countries. And today we'll be talking about The Infinite Game, which is Simon Sinek's next book, and what Stephen will be focusing on for his remarks as keynotes at the upcoming Innovate Work Toronto event happening on April 11th. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bill. Great to be here with you. Please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, your career background, and what you're getting up to now. Sure. Um, I suppose the really the kicking off point of my career was um, both being exposed to what fulfillment really looks like with having an amazing professor at the Ivy School of Business and then experiencing a lot of pain in my first job. Um, I was recruited into a, a large Canadian organization and had the had the opportunity to be part of one of their rotational leadership development programs. And I loved what this word leadership entailed. Um, And I had a definition of it. The only issue with the word leadership is we don't have a standard definition. And so while I defined it as uh, uh, service and looking out for those in your span of care, the way it was defined at the organization I joined was more akin to profit and loss and authority. Uh, And so on my first day on the job, it was post-merger, and a thousand people were let go of the organization on my first day. And I saw the tumultuous impact of um, lack of leadership and lack of transparency and clear communication on people's livelihood and and, uh, physical and mental well-being. Um, And so by accident, I stumbled into a career that I (laughs) hated um, very quickly and was fortunate to discover Simon Sinek's work and uh, the vision that Simon holds for a more inspired, safe and fulfilled world is one that I um, love and want to be a part of contributing toward. And I just was in the right time at the right place. And I've been with Simon for seven years now, beating on this drum, trying to help uh, leaders put their people first and put their purpose first. So what was that initial conversation there between you and Simon? You you reached out by email and you said, hey, I, I just think you're awesome. I, I want to find ways to work with you. Did you, did you call him up? Did, what, what was that? <laughs> yeah. So I had dinner with a mentor of mine, a guy, a local guy named James Powell, amazing guy. 
And I said to him, I was still in my first role in this leadership development program at this, this Canadian company. And I said to him that I was moving into a marketing role. And I said, I, I don't feel comfortable doing marketing for an organization that I don't believe what they sell and how they sell it. Uh, and he said, watch this video. This was in 2010. Um, so Simon was beating on, on the drum, this wide drum for about a couple of years. And I'd get to see his, his TED talk, How Great Leaders Inspire Action. And so James flipped me uh, this TED talk, which I'm sure at the time had only a few million views. Now, now it's up to tens of millions. Um, and I remember I procrastinated for two or three months and then finally watched that talk. And it, it turned things on its head for me. Um, everything that Simon was saying, you know, n none of it was new. It was just articulated so clearly, so simply, so powerfully that I could do something with it. Um, and the unintended impact of James sending me that video of Simon's TED Talk was that it made me hate my job even more because I realized I was so far gone from being able to influence um, the, the why and the how of the organization I was with. Uh, but that set me on a path. I, I became a champion of Simon's message. I began to share it and, and, and with anyone who would listen. And I, I went to the Art of Management conference in October, November of 2010 to hear Malcolm Gladwell speak. And uh, Simon happened to be the speaker just before him, and I didn't even know. Uh, and I randomly bumped into him there, and I reached out to him. Um, over LinkedIn thereafter and read his book. And, um, and long story short, I, I ended up meeting him in, in New York City about four months later. And uh, just right time, right place. I, I started to cultivate relationships with, with people on his team, um, one of which is David Mead, who's a very close friend. And their cause is my cause. And I've just been very fortunate that I get to do it with them. I'd be doing this work with or without them. Uh, but I'm delighted that I get to do it with them. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now let's let's focus in on uh, the session that you'll be presenting as keynote at Innovate Work Toronto, number six, I think it is, uh, on April 11th, 2019. If you don't have your tickets yet, ladies and gentlemen, please do get those very quickly because I expect us to be sold out very soon. Uh, so your, your session there, uh, it's it's called The Infinite Game. How do you win a How do you win a game that has no end? And uh, it's it's based on uh, Simon's new book. And in the book, he he looks at what he calls infinite games all around us. He started to see that many of the struggles that organisations face exist simply because their leaders were playing with a finite mindset in an infinite game. What does this finite mindset? in an infinite game mean, Stephen? And what are, what are some of the negative results? So um, so with, with each of Simon's thinky-thinky books, um, these sort of books that really aim to tackle a big challenge or question, um, you know, in, in Start With Why, Simon lost all of his passion for what he was doing because he lost touch with his why. And so Start With Why is this manifesto for having purpose and leading with purpose. He then wrote Leaders Eat Last, which is all around great. You inspire people with, with a why or a purpose, um, but how do you create environments in our organizations, in our communities, in which trust and cooperation are the natural default? Because uh, we are a social animal. 
And with the infinite game, which he's just putting the finishing touches on right now, the big question he asks is, how do you be an idealist in a realist's world? And so he tackles um, game theory, which uh, was introduced to us by James Carsey in the uh, in the mid-1980s. Carsey wrote this little quirky book called Finite and Infinite Games. And just like gravity, if you have two or more players, you have a game. Um, and, and, and the gravity piece is that you have these these two types of games. You have finite games and you have infinite games. In finite games, you have known players, agreed upon uh, rules of play, and the objective is to win. There are clear winners and losers. Hockey is, an, is a finite game. Infinite games have known and unknown players. The rules are changeable and not agreed upon. And the uh, objective of the game is to keep the game going. There are no winners and losers. There's only ahead and behind. And so though Monopoly feels like it goes on forever, it has clear rules, clear players, and a clear endpoint. Um, but, you know, marriage or life, you can't win marriage or win life. Um, there are no agreed upon uh, standard sets of rules uh, of what it means to win the game. And if you look at business, business is an infinite game as well. Uh, there are known and unknown players. We never see where our competition is coming from. Just ask your local taxi cab driver um, or... Uh, you know, Napster never saw MySpace coming and MySpace never saw Facebook coming. There are no agreed upon rules or criteria for success. You know, you can say I'm number one in my industry and someone can say, what industry are you in? And you say, oh, I'm in the same industry. I'm also number one because there's no set standard of rules to evaluate our performance. Um, and you don't win business. There are these arbitrary things called fiscal years and if you win a fiscal year, you don't win the game of business. The game keeps going on. And so issues emerge when you have uh, finite players in infinite games. If you have a finite player versus a finite player, the system's in balance. But if you have a finite player and infinite players, the finite players will always, at, at some point, lose the will or resources to play in that game. Uh, and the challenges arise, Bill, when you are playing the game of business with fi with a finite perspective, because you say stuff like beat the competition, be number one, be the best, um, which is all meaningless. Uh, and you're chasing something um, that is a moving target versus if you clearly understand the game you're playing, which is your just cause or your why. And then you're doing everything you can to advance that cause, which is infinite. Um, our, our just cause, our vision, our why um, is not something we can ever accomplish. It's something we can always pursue in advance. So I hope that's clear enough. But that's at least a benefit teaser of what I'm going to dive into, which is how to lead in the infinite game. Wow. OK, thank you very much. Gosh. Uh... So the leaders who embrace an infinite mindset, Stephen, uh, in, in contrast, they, they, they build stronger, uh, more innovative, more inspiring organizations. Tell us how they can do that and uh, what are some of the results? Sure. So um, as, it, as it is, Simon has devised these five steps that you can take constantly and continuously to lead and play in the infinite game. Um, I mentioned the, the the first, which is to have a just cause, which is to have a a future looking statement that describes the world you wish to contribute toward, the world you wish to 
live in. Our, our just cause at our company is Simon's vision, Simon's just cause, which is we imagine a world in which the vast majority of people wake up feeling inspired, feel safe at work, and return home feeling fulfilled by the work that they do. That's the world we want to live in. So first is just cause. Second is to have trusting teams, um, to cultivate the types of cultures where people can willingly raise their hand and admit stuff like, I'm scared, or I don't know the answer, or I don't have enough training to do my job. They can express um, anything and know that uh, on the other side of that is safety, um, support, help, and belonging. Um, and we cannot innovate unless we feel safe, because in order to innovate, we have to experiment. And when we experiment, we fail. And we need to know that on the other side of failure is support and not reprimand. Otherwise, why take the risk um, of innovating and experimenting? Because you might fail and you might get fired. Uh, those who lead in the infinite game create trusting teams. Third is worthy rival. So if we know that to say to beat the competition is fruitless, um, the, there's still a role of our peers and of our competition. Um, indeed, we are our own best competition. But our peers, those who play in the game with us, whether they're playing infinite or finite, we can still study them to learn, to reveal our, our strengths and reveal our weaknesses. We can still learn from those around us. Um, fourth is to have existential flexibility, which means you're fixed on your vision, you're fixed on your just cause or your destination, but you are flexible in the way that you get there. Um, indeed, the value of the strategic plan is not the plan itself, it's the exercise of planning, because we know that once we go back out into the wild, uh, the plan ought to shift and change based on shifting market conditions. Uh, and finally is the courage to lead. And it's last because it's hard and you have to do it all the time, which is consistently making values-based decisions rather than interest-based decisions, to make decisions that are in the best interest of the group rather than anyone's own selfish uh, interests. And when we have the courage to lead and continuously make people first and purpose first decisions, the result is trust and loyalty. And so there are countless examples of these um, leaders and organizations who are infinite. I, I think of Richard Branson um, and Virgin Companies. And when um, uh, Simon asked Richard Branson um, personally, how do we know if your companies will be successful. And he said, judge me not by my companies, judge me by the character of my children. Um, you, you have these stories of Steve Jobs and Apple, where Steve Jobs pivoted, talk about existential flexibility, and after touring Xerox Park, uh, decided to invest in the graphic user interface, which was, which was the invention and creation of Macintosh, which is one of the most, if not the most successful operating system ever. Um, and you have a company like like Netflix that totally squashed and crumbled Blockbuster. I mean, Blockbuster dominated the, the entertainment market and Netflix um, came in with a model that took late fees out of the equation. And in the year 2000, 16% of Blockbuster's revenues were from late fees. That is not service oriented. That is not a business model that's designed to serve your end user. That's self-serving. Um, and Netflix came in, disrupted the market, but knew the future was in streaming. And by the time Blockbuster realized it, they were too late to the game. And Blockbuster now has one retail shop that's located in Bend, Oregon, and they have crumbled and are non-existent. So um, that's a bit more, Bill, on how to lead in the infinite game. 
and some examples of people who um, have done it or are doing it. Awesome. Thank you. Stephen, we are already at the end of this interview. Just uh, one more question for you for today. And that's how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about the the wonderful work done at Start With Why? Uh, thanks, Bill. Yeah, all, all the usual places. If you want to learn more and get some more um, tools and inspiration, go to startwithywhy.com. Um, and you can find me personally on all the normal places and spaces. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, I'm there uh, and would be delighted to connect and engage in meaningful conversations so we can create a more fulfilled world around us. Thank you very much. And another place that Stephen will be where you can potentially connect with him is, of course, Innovate Work Toronto on April 11th at the Mars Discovery District. So if you can, if you're in the area, please join Stephen and I. Uh, for an evening of wonderful speakers, a great panel, and lots of awesome networking. Uh, But for today, that just leaves me to say, listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.